Tyson Bryden. Welcome to Nonstop Rock Talk. I'm your host, Tyson Bryden. Today, I'm very happy to welcome guitarist of Valentine, Adam Holland, to the show. <laughs> Adam, welcome. How are you doing? I'm doing great, and I'm very happy to be here. Thanks for having me, man. Thank you. Um, now, before we get into music stuff, this is kind of music stuff, but you two have your own podcast, which I checked out and really loved. Uh, unfortunately, due to time, it was only episode one, but I'm <laughs> sure I'm going to get to more. Um, Thank but you so much. You're very welcome. But for those interested in finding out about your path and the history of Valentine and your musical career, this is kind of the perfect podcast to listen to. So before we talk about Valentine and other things music, tell me about the podcast, where it can be found, and primarily the reason for starting it. It's a great question, and thank you for bringing it up. We were talking a little bit before the interview about I was picking your brain. I'm, I'm a new, you know, new to the podcast world, and basically. Um, First of all, it's called Band Forever, and it's about guys like myself who have been in the industry for you know years, decades, depending on what it is. But maybe who are not in the like, we're not in the multi-platinum world, but yet have had deals or have worked as side men or some sort of interesting angle in the business and have sustained in the business, but yet a lot of people may not know about them. So the first episode, I thought it'd be a great introduction to. My, my listeners about my own life first of all so that people could know learn about my story so my first episode was with Gerard and Craig and we did like a round table about our life since high school till literally now we've all, we've all been playing together that long which is yeah. scary and then I am um, other guys like I had a, a gosh I've had you know Rob Hoffman who is not only playing with Hugo in Evolution, in, sorry, Voyage used to be Evolution, but he yeah. also manages Extreme, Nuno, Rat, you know, and various wow. other artists. And um, I'm having, my next episode is with producer Bob St. John, who produced all those Extreme records and Duran Duran and, and then, you know, some guys who you've not heard of, like Matthew Shad, who's very popular in the AOR community and a super talented guy and has done all kinds of great things. And, um, you know, just a tremendous career in the industry, but he's not, you know, again, on MTV, but he's still a, a musician, you know, and working for decades. And those, there's some great stories, and all these guys have funny stories. You know, we talked, I talked to Michael Stertow, who plays with Lou Graham forever. He plays with Slaughter. He plays with the Guess Who. He, one of his first jobs, you know, was working um, as like a runner for a local arena. And he ended up jamming with Def Leppard, you know, like just crazy, like, cool. you know, so sort of like it's somewhere in between like a therapy session and spinal tap. I don't know if that's, <laughs> the, you know, the, but I wanted to get, you know, these stories out there because I and a friend of mine, Joey Casada, who played in Z-Rock and he had a TV show. Uh, actually, Zio 2 was the band and Z-Rock was the TV show. And he wrote a great book and he played with the Steve Jury band for a little while and he really inspired me to go out there and you know tell tell these stories and put them out there and the people who want to hear them will come listen to it and there are so far the people do want to hear it which has been really cool i mean yeah because i mean you and i as before um we were talking before the show and and you you mentioned to me you're like well you've got you know you've got some bigger guests but then you've also got guys from the era that were you know same thing they had record deals they put out albums all that stuff right. and i kind of mentioned to you i said you know what i love having those guys on the show because their stories are always amazing like there's always you know, you know and 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 then you find out stuff you didn't know and for me it's 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 bands i grew up listening to and you know maybe a lot of people weren't familiar with them but to me they're just as important as guns and roses and motley Crue. you know what i mean like that Correct. is part of my life 
I agree 100%. And um, like I had Reggie Wu from Heaven's Edge, who oh, we, were, we were label mates and we had the same producer and that's how we became friends and we've always, we've remained friends, but their story is just incredible. And by the way, there's, I'm fans. Everybody who comes on, I'm usually a big fan of. So I'm yeah. actually, I'm, and it makes me go back and re-listen to some of the, the catalog and I'm like, wow. It's, so it's been a very nice thing for me to go back and delve into these great catalogs. I had on um, Keith from Toro Toro and I forgot how great they were. Oh my yeah. God, I was like, I just all I love got that lost. Band. I got so good, right? They're still yeah. so good, which is so cool. Yeah. And I got lost in, in their catalog. So it's, it's been, it's for me, it's been, as a, like you, I'm a fan. So I enjoy, I could talk about it all day long. And this gives me a platform to talk to guys who also want to share their stories. It's been a fun, you know, a fun thing. I, I'm enjoying it. Yeah. My fans, I hope they are, people are liking it. I, I mean, I, we, you were talking about Heaven's Edge. I mean, I, I still listen to that album, that first album, all the time. Totally. Still the, love it. And the, the second one, oh my, I think that's like a, a closet sleeper. It's so good, man. It's, it is. It's a closet, but it's just so, so good. So. Yeah, they're such a great band. Um, but there were so many of those great bands, right? Correct. And and it always drives me crazy because people always go, "Well, you know what? They sounded they were there was too many of those bands. There's too much of this and too much of that." But for me as a fan, I always thought, "You know what? I I don't see it that way because sure there might be an element that might sound like somebody else, but most of those bands to me sounded like who they were." I understand everybody. All the bands from the Valentine era that. It, you know, mid uh, '80s era. You know that sort of, you know, what you, Def Leppard, you know, Bon Jovi, you know, Rat era, whatever yeah. you want to call it. You know, Warrant Winger, Firehouse era. Which there's a certain sound to the guitars and production that I just like. I, yeah, me too. I, I like that kind of production. So, and the guitar sounds and drum sounds and vocal sounds. So I heard. You know, I, I listened to Hair Nation. Gerard was talking about that on my podcast. You know that we. I do. I get in my car. I put on. See, let me see what the first. Let me just see what's on. Sometimes I I like it, you know. But every time I'm like, damn, that's I heard some, you know, some slaughter song that sounded fucking great. I'm like, damn, you know, it's a good I, song. So I know, and that's just that's the same thing for me. It's right, right. You know, I still. I mean, I have Amazon Music, so I make playlists. You know, it's like of my favorite songs. Yes, I do the same. Right, <laughs> and you're like, oh man, I w-, and and it doesn't matter how many times I heard it that song it's still it's like don't walk away by firehouse off their first album i love that song i just yes. it, it's just a great song right so uh, and that pr- i love the production of their first album me too yeah so was, um, interesting t- cool i i do a similar thing where i do like spotify lets you make like example firehouse you can make a firehouse radio station and all of a sudden it gives you all these things that are like around it it's yeah. pretty, uh, that you don't know cool. what's coming. I think that's kind of cool. It's like Pandora-ish kind of, you know. That's very cool. I don't. I don't know if Amazon Music does that or not. I'm not sure. I'll out. have to Either check. Way, it's, yeah, to, it's good. You'll. I think you'll like that feature. I'll have to try that. Now, let's start off. Well, we already started off, but let's go into <laughs> Valentine. Sure. The latest Valentine released entitled Demos in the Attic, which yeah. I assume, of course, is a collection of demos recorded by the band. Kind of give me an idea of the timeline of when these demos were recorded. Well, these demos were recorded, I'd say, between 89 and 91. You know, before before we really decided to go after, you know, before Open Skies was even like a thought. So it was really Valentine's second record that would have been, you know, for Giant before it all sort of crumbled. And uh, we, we bought some, you know, in preparation for our next album which we had started to do even you know while the first album was out yeah. what you normally you write and you, were, you know, do demos so we had a few dollars we bought some gear set it up and we actually moved it around a few times but we and we here's the thing we watched Neil Kernan produce us and we learned a few things about how to mic you know and how to record and compress and effect so we we said, okay, let's do our best to make some decent sounding demos. And just, there were songwriter demos to present to whoever would be doing, you know, the label producer. And these are those. We had a, we had a lot. And, you know, some weren't so great, but some, the best ones made it to this, this release. And so what happened was during, you know, the COVID period, which everyone was really just social media became the world to everybody's connections. Um, actually, I'm always on social, you know, Instagram. I'm on a lot, and I have a website. And 
20th century music reached out to me and I was like, you know, I'm like, it sounds great. And I know, you know, we knew who they were. And, but I'm like, I'm not sure what we have left over because we did, we did use a couple of things for Soul Salvation, which we did in 210. Yep. And I, also a lot of these songs did make it, there's about four of them that are actually on the Open Skies record. The Answer, Golden Years, Take Me There, Picking Up the Pieces were written also in this time, but they made it through and became Open Skies songs. So, but the point is, this album is really a time capsule. I mean, Craig and Gerard went back. We, we knew they were somewhere, but we didn't know where they were. And literally, that the picture of the album cover CD cover is the physical. Craig had these two like trunks of. of I was going to ask you that actually. Yeah. yeah, and Gerard too. Gerard had the dats, so we didn't have everything on dat. So some of it literally came from cassette, which is scary that people even people are like what's a cassette. <laughs> and, then, and, the, and then the other, we had a few of the mixes on dat. So either way, we did our best to EQ them and, and clean them up and remaster them, and there you go. That's cool. That's cool. I can't. Um, is it available now to buy? It is. It, ju it just ca it's just available. I know that the first pre-orders are now just got people just got them, and I think you can buy it right now. Just little this week is when it just finally happened. So that's awesome. I'm going to order it for sure. To be honest with you, I'm going to want it. Right? It's one of those yeah. things. I think it's I think, cool. I think it, I think you're going to you don't like it. So that's cool. I'm sure we could work out. I'll get you one. Don't worry. I, I think uh, you know. Cool. I think maybe you know somebody who knows somebody. I'm, I'm kidding. I'll get you one. No problem. Okay. Thank you, Adam. Um, now, we, we you mentioned about the cover. So, I mean, it was the suitcase full of stuff, which actually brings me to the point of the original debut album cover. Um, yes. That's a cool cover. It is. Um, was that cover presented to the band, and why the notebook and the candle? You know, the, the answer is yes. It was presented by, you know, the, there was a great... A great art, I forgot the guy's name, um, he was a wonderful guy, and his, his, his sister and Bob, I forgot his name, it's terrible, but he yeah. worked for a lot, he did a lot of 80s you know, um, band covers, and I, as I've mentioned often, we shared the same management with Extreme, so the same guy did porno graffiti and all those cool characters, great cover. and he came, you know, this came with a concept of, you know, like this castle, I don't even know, like something about, you know, there was like this haunted castle, and, and like, you see the shadow, yeah. some people, someone signing into the book. Truth of the matter is, I'm not a thousand percent clear. On, it's you know, it's a bit like artistic and just trying to be cool. But I'm not. I'm a little bit embarrassed to say I'm not a thousand percent clear on the storyline okay. of our. <laughs> oh, that's okay, man. Um, now, I that album was never was it released on vinyl? Because I tried to look it up and I couldn't find a copy of it on it, Discogs. It was, you know what? It was not in America. We were the first. Like that was like I remember the first. The first line of albums that came out only on cassette and CD, they weren't going to press vinyl. However, when we have done shows with Valentine and Steve Ogiri overseas in Europe, people show up with they vinyl. Have them. They do. I'm like, dude, where'd you get that? And they're like, I don't, I'm not even sure. I don't know where they get. They somehow, like, by the way, there could also some Japanese import vinyl, I think, out mm. there. There's some. If you want to get hardcore, there's definitely some stuff out there. I don't have a vinyl copy. I would like to have a vinyl copy. So. Yeah, and yeah, because I like I said, I looked it up on Discogs and nothing came up. So it has to be very hard to find. Yeah, I don't know. It's some some way, some European distribution channel pressed some vinyl, but never in America. So there's probably I don't know how there are some out there. I've seen them, but they're not. I don't. I don't I don't know where to get one. Hmm, that's crazy. I'm going to keep looking, yes. and I will let you I, know, too. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm say right back at you. If I find one, I promise you I'll let you know. Okay, that's awesome. Now, now I kind of wanted to go back to the beginning, because sure. the story of Valentine's kind of interesting. Now, the band was based in New York City, then you moved out to L.A., and then went back to New York City. We were actually long... We all grew up in Long Island. You know, we, like, we all grew up on Long Island, and... Long Island has like two parts. There's Suffolk County and Nassau County. And some of us were on, from Nassau, Gerard and I and, and Craig and Hugo were from, and Neil was from Nassau. Well, the other guys were from Suffolk. So, you know, it was not like a turf thing. but So, you know, we just weren't close. But then once we all got old enough to start playing clubs is when all of a sudden everybody, like, we kind of came together. And that's, but you're right. We started out in Long Island. We, we, we you know, through our mutual, you know, desire to be an original band and with a certain sound we all found each other and you know we came to hugo and, and neil and you know it all kind of came together and then we said that 
we we didn't want to play covers. That, there was a big cover scene happening in Long Island in the club circuit, and we're like, we just don't want to spend our time doing covers. Doing covers. That's you know, we we'd rather play less and work on demos and record. We always knew we wanted to get a record deal. That was our goal. And we so we went. We had been out to L.A. You know, saw this, saw the whole thing, and like, holy shit, this is what we got to do. And we went out there, and it was really. Um, educational but we realized it was like we had to all of a sudden like like living became the, the main goal as opposed to music we couldn't even get it done it was just it became counterproductive so we just said, said let's take a crash course and let's take what we see here and we're going to go back to New York and only do originals fuck it we don't care and that's it and, and, and look like we you know get our look together and get our act together and it, it it seemed to work, and the good fortune for us was that at the same time that it did start to turn. Like Danger, Danger Kit was coming out, yeah. and um, I forgot who else. There were some other Long Island bands. You know, I think Heaven is another band named Heaven. I you remember know, Heaven. Yeah, right. So there was a bunch of bands that were like, all of a sudden like we we're going to also like play originals, and then the clubs were allowed us to you know let us play a full set of originals. That's it was so it did have a really good effect on us going to California even though at the time we were like this is the stupidest thing we ever did in our lives when yeah. we came home it actually did really give us a kick in the ass t- t- and, it, it re- and after that it was like really quickly things happened that's amazing now I mean would you were you guys playing like Long Island New York City Jersey were you playing that yeah, whole everywhere. circuit we were playing Westchester Connecticut New Jersey yeah everywhere we could drive to really we never yeah. went further than the metro New York you know a lot of Connecticut Massachusetts area yeah, so, I mean, you mentioned Danger Danger, of course. Um, now, would, like, Trickster, Skid Row, and then uh, Hot Shot as well, would, were they all playing the circuit at the same time? You no, know, it's funny. They were more, I, we'd never really played with them. So, I guess they were, but, like, they were, I guess, in the Jersey. Maybe they were going Jersey and West. I didn't really see them. Really, yeah? In the club circuit that we were playing in. We were more Long Island, I, so, but they were, but it's funny, we didn't cross their path until later on. Yeah, it was just more or less the danger, danger thing. And yes, that's they, were cool. like, they were Long Island. Those guys we saw all the time. That's funny. Well, I mean, Steve West was from Long Island, right? Right. Bruno and Steve, like, you know, we just would see them. And we had a mutual tour manager and friend, Todd Confessori. And he was like, you know, the sort of bridge between. So we all hung out. We were all like new of each other, you know, in each other's world, sort of thing. That's cool. Now... Now tell me what led to Valentine being signed by Giant. I understand that initially you were signed to Columbia Records. Correct. So we, um, you know, it was a great, we really like one of those like really fairy tale stories. We came back from California and we, we had a, a good friend who had worked in the business and uh, his name is Scott Bernstein. He, through a family friend, we, we, he knew Steve Lieber. He was working at Lieber Krebs and doing all kinds, you know, young kind of runner stuff. And But either way, he got us to rehearse at this studio where the Stray Cats rehearsed, Joan Jett rehearsed, Twisted Sister rehearsed. Wow. Another couple of Long Island popular bands. I can't, you know, it was, a, it was like a kind of exclusive place. But he got us in there. I don't, you know, so we, we rehearsed there. Then I guess when Twisted was huge and started to... I'll try and make this short. I went back way too far to answer oh, that's your question. Okay. Huh, when he, when, when Twisted was doing that thing, you know, they started to take on bands and produce them, like JJ's and and, and Mark. There's, you know, all the guys were doing things like that. D had a band, and JJ and Mark approached us because they saw us hanging. They heard us in the studio. You know, they they knew of us and heard of us, and we began to work with them. And. Gerard and I were interning at record companies just trying to learn the business and so we knew some like people and like we needed all of a sudden we needed an attorney and then I'll make this long story short but we ended up getting you know not working with J.J. and Mark is you know we still they are really the guys who kicked us into gear that I give them all the credit for the first people that put their you know put their stamp on it kind of faith yeah and then you know the, the attorney was like I think you could you know maybe you want to try this and this so they're like don't sign it yet and then this guy Scott Bernstein took our tape to another management company where he knew SK, SBK and the rest is sort of history. We started getting, we got managed by Arma Andin and he wanted to partner with Louis Levin who was handling Michael Bolton at the time. Louis Levin handled Neil Kernan, the producer Neil Kernan, famous, you know, 80s, who had done two of our favorite albums, you know, Queensryche, Queensryche, Rage for Order and the Dokken Records. 
So and he loved the band, and he's like, "Let's do. I'll I'll gonna produce your record, when, and we're gonna do the demos." We did demos with Neil Kernan, which was like mind blowing. He was our, we were like little kids, like freaking out because here was this guy we idolized, and he was doing our demos, and that led us to a deal with CBS. And we made the record for recorded for CBS. Did another album cover somewhere. There's, there's another album cover out there. And um, so, so basically, after all that happened, we we got you know our managers, you know this this getting assigned with this big management company, and then bringing on Louis Levin, and then bringing on Neil Kernan, who liked the band. So far, the music we were writing was obviously a good. Because people were starting, everyone was like, "Wow, I want to be on board." So we really had a, it was good, and that was this sort of burst, that post California burst of songwriting, and that it, it just the momentum was happening. And then um, we, John Mervos, we got signed to Columbia. It was like just a dream come true. You know, we did the showcase, and the guys like, "I want you," and we were like, "Like you, you wait your whole life for that," and we made this great record with Neil Kernan, and um, what led us to Giant was, you know. A sort of typical record company things that happen. People change at the record company. Like a new president came in and then brought in his people and was in, just heading in a different direction and let a lot of bands go. We were one of those bands. He let our A and R guy go as well, John Mervos. John went to Giant Records and said, "Hey, listen, we let's you know, I want you to come to Giant." So. Wonderful thing happened. The Columbia was was we, listen. It was all one of those things. You look back, you're like I don't know how it all happened, but it did. They let us out of the contract. Giant bought the record and took it over, and it came out on on Giant. Yeah, I was going to ask you if Giant ended up having to buy it. Of course, they would probably have to, right? Right, but you know, it was just but it was already done. So yeah, it was just you know just so it was the same sort of record. Just tra it was like a transfer, but obviously paid for. You know. So this was, I mean, the album came out what in eighty nine or ninety. It came out in September of ninety, and you know, we all in a perfect world, if we would have come out a little sooner, you know. It would have just gone to the, the, the Columbia machine, and we would have, you know, would have gone behind Warrant Firehouse, right? And it would have been us. But we missed, you know, Heaven's Edge got st stuck in the middle. Yes, they, they kind of did. Record, their record did come out on Columbia, but it just got no support. But we didn't even. We got. We were like, you know, behind that, they were like, nope, they didn't even put it out. So, in one sense, I don't know if it's a blessing or curse. It did get some attention. We did make a video. We did minimal touring. We did have strong press. I, w I actually worked. For a public relations firm called JLM, and um, I was an assistant publicist, you know, because I had also interned at Polygram, and I, so I knew I knew what to do. I, there was an ad in the paper. I went, I got this job. It yeah. was really cool. That's so cool. And this band, the the, the band, the JLM public relations handled like um, at the time Iggy Pop, Duran Duran, Yanni, Howard Jones, like you know that kind of a little more new wave-ish stuff. Yeah. But there was a great published publicist there named Kim Kamen who has gone on to become huge in the music business and she I'm like she went on to another company called Levine Schneider and they were like a huge 80s they did like Kiss she did like Kiss and all these massive bands and somehow I convinced I, I knew our manager we all knew her obviously we convinced Giant to like spend the money on outside public publicity and they did and I was like okay we were like didn't think they were going to do it because you know it was, they were just Either way, they did it, and she was she really made us appear bigger than we were. We, we were in all the major magazines, you know, full page pictures, the full the full you know, the cover on some of them. We were like really like out there as if we were like equal to Winger and Warrant and Firehouse, but clearly our record sales were not even close. But she made us look that way, so we will always be appreciative to Kim Kamen for that uh, awesome work she did for us. That's awesome. No, now. I forgot until recently that Ali Sheedy made an appearance in the No Way video. That's correct. And I remember reading that back in the day in Metal Edge. And you guys correct. got you guys were in Metal Edge all the time. Jerry, another oh my God, Jerry Miller was so fantastic to us. So yes, yeah, I, I want to give a shout out there. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Rest in rest in peace. I mean, she, she we lost her. You know, sad thing. So. I mean, that was uh, for me. That was the Bible. It's like yeah, you, you you got it every month just to see, and that's how you found out about all the bands. She was she correct. was pinnacle in, in so many bands, right? Where the other magazines weren't as much. 
Right, they were they catered towards some of the big guys, you know, all yeah. the, the Motley Crue, Skid Row, Winger, Def Leppard, Aerosmith, Van Halen. But she took care of all the. the so she made the smaller bands, and we were part of that group. Feel like we were like as big as those big, you know, the big boys, and it was and it gave exposure to us, and then people would come to our shows and 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 buy our CD. It was really she was. I just can't say enough about how wonderful that was. Yeah, and see, were you guys in Rock on the Rise section in the beginning? Probably, I think whenever we, we were in everything. Yes, there's no question about it. Yeah, we were in every, everything you could do, we did it. We did the baby pictures. We did the video. We yeah. did the you know. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> at home with these people on the road with us. She did, you know she was part of our. She was great. Whatever she wanted, we just did it. I mean that video. That video looks great. I mean I hadn't. Thank you. I don't know if I had ever seen it to be honest with you because yeah. much music up in Canada was very. We only we had a one hour show once a week. Mm-hmm. So wow. they had to cram in a lot of stuff. So, so a lot of those videos we didn't see, and the only way I would find out about the band, those bands, was Metal Edge. Right. And this, well, that's why we. So yeah. So like Headbangers Ball was sort of an extension of Metal Edge because they played for like I think yeah. it was like four hours, and they played they played some old our kind of videos that weren't you know huge, but it's millions of people saw our video a couple we got into some decent rotation on headbangers ball we never made it past headbangers ball but you know what that was that's still cool it was was incredible people i mean we saw it it was out there and people come to the shows and people then when they came to the shows knew your single it was pretty wild yeah and the the only way we got to see headbangers ball on mtv was if a friend or someone you knew had one of those big old satellite dishes. Right, and they'd record it, right. And they record wow. it, or you'd go to their house and you turn you you turn on MTV, right? Isn't that funny? As like pre, I'm thinking, what? Because it's pre, it was cable provider. It wasn't like, it was right, what, so it wasn't even like, it was pre-internet. It was like wild. Yeah, it was pre-internet. Right, and you, right, right. And, and I mean, the satellite dish was those ones that you had in your backyard yep. that was huge, right? Right, they were as, as big as like a tank, right? And so, then it would move as you went to the right spot. Oh my God, that's pretty funny, yes. Absolutely, wow. Yes. It's, it's wild, right? It is wild, right? Oh my gosh. So, I actually, this is funny, I, I bought the movie Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead recently. Oh, good. On DVD. So anyway, so I'm going through it, and I'm listening to the soundtrack, and I'm like, holy shit, there's a lot of really good songs on this. No, that was, that, there are some good songs, good bands on there. Exactly. And and um, you guys did a song uh, entitled Keep the Faith, as yeah. well as Running Out of Luck Again was on the soundtrack, I believe. Correct. And in the movie. Uh, Running on Luck, both songs were actually in the movie and on the soundtrack, yes. Yeah, which was cool. And it was cool to see that. It was. Um, right, that would talk about a cool thing going to the theater and like acing your credit. But it's cool when it, then it was on HBO years later, and everyone's like, dude, I just saw your name. You know, people would call, you know, I saw your name on H- on the credit. Um, but it was cool to go to a theater and like hear, like, you know, hear, first of all, the song we did is like, it's, I don't know, it's I, there's like some guitar thing I did. It was just it was like a guitar section of just me, and it's like blasting in the theater. It was pretty awesome to hear, like, have it come out and that it was pretty wild I must say good that, experience that is awesome and Keep the Faith was was a song written by someone else I believe and you guys right, his name did was, it his name was Bill Ray and Bill yeah. he, put to, he put together the whole he was like the musical director for the soundtrack and he put together all the bands and it was actually on Giant so there was a bunch of bands that were on Giant there's a band called The Flame which they were really Flame, good yep. I'm not really sure good band. where they were from right really good I don't think I'm not sure whatever happened to them, but so I think they're from us, the Bay Area. I'm, I'm not sure. I know we, we did obviously we met them a few times, but um, and then there was another b- couple of bands, but like young young kind of AOR alias, yeah, other bands, and so it was a great soundtrack. And we you know what, we had a great time making it. And like we went out, to, we all went out there to LA, and we like they were, I remember they were out, the, all the bands were out there like together. Like he Bill Ray was like they kind of cranked it out really quick, so we. Had, Went in for like a day or two. We did it really quick, and it was pretty cool. So and everyone was like in the studio, and like the other bands were like in the lounge. It was actually kind of like a, a community thing. It was pretty cool. That's awesome, and and that one is actually easier to find on vinyl. That album. Oh, really? I, I don't have that on. I should get that. I don't have that on vinyl. I found I it. I found it on Discogs. Uh, there's a whole bunch of copies of it. So. Oh, that, I'm gonna get one. There's also yeah. I have I have it on VHS and like you know whatever DVD or something like that. Whatever the formats that at the time were out. You know. I mean, the premise of the movie is kind of funny. 
<laughs> yeah, it's, it's like a, it's you a silly, know. it's a silly thing, you know. I mean, it's but it was it was but it was the '80s, you know. Christina Applegate was like a yeah. legend. She was like, oh my god. Yeah. We did get to meet her at one and at some point. I did meet her, and that was like a big deal. Being in a Christina Applegate movie in the '80s was yeah. a, that was like she was like the yeah, she was so, huge, right? So that was big. That was really a big exposure for us. It was great. Yeah, and I mean the premise of her. The mom going away, and then right. she's got to she's got to uh, take care of the family and gets that this big gets, time job. And yeah, it's <laughs> it's not it, you can't really get to you know reality on a script there. You can't delve too deep, but it's a silly you know teenage coming of age comedy. So. Yeah, that's it's. I, I mean, I, but I've I've probably watched it twice in the last year, to be honest with you, just because I enjoy it. It's it's like watching License to Drive. Like it's right. just one of those really. Uh, Fun type of eighties movies, right? Absolutely, definitely a classic. And they always have a good soundtrack, hence why always, we're always talking about. Yeah, it. I agree. I agree. Now, let's talk about Open Skies. Um, sure. So after um, Valentine, you guys start working on the second album. When did you decide to? Did you? Did the band themselves decide to change the name, change the format a little bit? What happened was it. It really. I mean, the answer is. It sort of happened, and not, we didn't say, "Oh, we're gonna let's change the name, then go for it, pretend we're something else." That's not the case. We, were, we Valentine got re-signed to RCA when after after our deal ended with Giant, they didn't want to pick up. You know, we, so you, I mean, another long-winded story, but we decided not to go do another le- record with Giant. We were going to try and get another deal, and God bless us, we did. So we had great, really, really great management at the time and they believed in us and we like i said we were constantly writing and recording writing and recording because just to get everything out there and you know once you felt the 90s coming on everybody said listen just don't just try anything just start don't, no idea is wrong you know as a, don't worry about the 80s sound because like so again demos from the attic is really an 80s valentine record but then yeah. all of a sudden when that period ended it just started doing different things but like I mentioned, I think earlier, like so, the answer, uh, "Take Me There," "Golden Years," and maybe another song or two, are what really got us the deal with RCA and Richie Zito. Yeah, and he was such—I mean, what a, I really one of my favorite musical periods of my life was working with him, because he was like, "Okay, we're just gonna try it." I want, you know, we really wanted to evolve. He's like, "I don't think we're not gonna try and become grunge. That's not. It's not even. It's not what we're gonna do." But Let's try to evolve a little bit. Let's see, maybe take it. And we are, again, Lenny Kravitz was sort of our target, like that rock, but like with a vibe. Yeah. You know, we're not going to pretend we're like a, a rock, grunge we're band. Not, we're not. We're not. But we could be a melodic, you know, rock band, but yet not with crunching. It just changed the vibe a little bit. That's what we tried to do. And he encouraged us to write with other writers, which was really eye-opening and fantastic. And work with different, you know, I don't know, Just we just tried everything. We brought in some different people to play who would show us, like, you know, like, I mean, some mandolin stuff. I mean, just diff- different instruments, you know, he, he, all kind of vintage gear. Just trying to get a different vibe. And again, n- not trying to deliberately be like, we're going to, again, be a, a grunge band, but not just try to not be a deliberate 80s sound. I don't know how to s- describe it, say it that way. We weren't, like, trying to pretend to be something. We were just trying to evolve into something and then when we wrote this guy, Glenn Burtnick, who's a tremendous artist and songwriter, singer, I mean, he just, oh my God, working with him was just unbelievable. We wrote the title, the Open Skies song, and somehow that song, when we did it, and it, we, we loved it, it's still one of my favorite tracks on the album and one of my favorite songs I've worked on. It's just something about it. We just felt like it was a new chapter for us. And like, maybe, we, 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 and you know, everyone was like, maybe we should, not be valentine maybe it's something different i don't know and that that's and we did it so it wasn't like someone said you gotta you know it just sort of didn't feel like valentine anymore i don't know how to describe it i hope i i'm describing it no that makes sense i mean rca didn't they more or less gave you the freedom they didn't they didn't force you to change the name or anything no one forced us they did suggest it they said because they felt the same way like you know you guys are like you're growing you're you're you've you when you started this and now we're here it's not the same thing. So maybe, you know, not that you had the bands can change the sound quite a bit, but they were like, I don't know. It just didn't feel like about, it wasn't, it just didn't feel like Valentine anymore. Yeah. Plus we had a new drummer. We had, had Tom Mayo came in at that point and it just felt like it was 
That's cool. It was a step forward. I don't know. I, I can't. So it just was open. It was open sky. I don't know. How, I just can't say it. it. Just became a different thing. That's cool. Now, was this working with Richie Zito? Was this after the Poison record or before the Poison record? It was right after the Poison record. Wow. He then we you know he was. What was cool about him is he was like he he'd worked with a lot of bands that we loved. I mean he, like the Cheap Trick, the Flame. You know yeah. he did that Poison record, which I personally thought was great. It's phenomenal. Really, he he made them sound like. They evolved on that record. You know, a lot of people gave him flack because they wanted CC, but I thought that was a great record. And um, he'd worked with like Eddie Money and just a different type of producer and different type of artist than we had done. Worked with, you know, with Neil Kernan, who was also fantastic and, you know, Romantics and, and, and Hall and & Oates. I mean, also a tremendous pop guy and song guy. But Zito was just a different, just different thing. And he was, a, you know, really pushed us to just, there was no limits he just let's try everything and let's write with everybody and, and well, at the end at the end let's see what happens like it was a kind of really I think I, I mentioned it on my pack my podcast for the band it was the first time we got to like you know we had a label deal we had an advance and we were just like went to LA for like months and they put us in one of those little Oakwood apartments you know and we were, we were making the records we did have most of the record we had like I said the answer golden years we had you know good solid start to the record but he was like just let's just keep, we'll, until this to tell us to stop let's keep writing and recording and try everything and and it was just a great i mean what more can you ask as a creative person to be able to get paid and create it was it was incredible that's awesome. i really look back i, I really always cherish that period of, of time in my career that's amazing. I mean, we talked about that Poison album. I have a buddy who we always talk. If we talk about that album, because we're like, we're kind of like, you know what? That may be their best album. By the way, it's funny. I I love the John Karabi Motley Crue record, but some you know hardcore. Fans, I'm the same. You know, so so <laughs> it's those albums like when you know are uh, yes, I think it is their best album, but it's not like a true. Poison record. I know, point. and it's and that's the weird thing. It's like right. a, a really enjoyable album to listen to. It's so like good. the Motley Crue album or Warrant's Dog Eat Dog, which was a little bit heavier, but I thought the songs were really solid on it, right? Correct, right. And it's just those, I guess, as music fans, we kind of, though, there's a lot of people that feel that way, but it seems like we're the only ones. <laughs> no, I think, we're, I think we're just in a small group. Well, by the way, it's like, I'm going to take this forward. I, you know, maybe I'm biased now, but I always, even before I played with Steve Argyri, yeah. like Arrival, I was like, holy shit, that is like, wow. The band went, I was like, I love where they went. Yeah. And, but I, you know, here we are now, uh, I'm, you know, playing with Steve for over a decade, but I was a fan of that record before I even knew him. Before I got to really, I shouldn't say I knew who he was, but I mean, really got to know him. So, and people, the Perry fans though, well, like, oh my God, how dare, who is this, how, you know, how dare you? <laughs> yeah. So, just sort of the same thing, you know, it's just, um, it's hard to replace the original guy in the band. It's it, is. That. Gary it is. And look at Gary Sharon, that record was great too, but people like, how dare you, you know, who are you? <laughs> well, I just, actually, I just talked to someone about that the other day, and I, I had seen Extreme at the M3, and I had never seen them, but I'd only seen Gary Sharon with Van Halen live. Oh, in interesting. And I said. That's wild. I said, man, he was like, he was so good as the front man for Van Halen. And unfor unfortunately, a lot of people didn't get to see that and right. weren't exposed to it, right? Right. Listen, that was a third singer for Van Halen. Is tough. That's right. He was, you know, listen, I was always an extreme fan and I was a big Gary Sharon fan. So I thought, I'm like, holy shit. And I we did got too. to see him a few times because you know, we had the same management. So I was very lucky to have an inside you know inside look at that it was nice i mean cool. see seeing him at m3 though extreme was they were amazing i was just like wow like he's yeah. so energetic right he's i he's i think one of the most underrated front men in, in rock i would agree with you absolutely their performance at the queen tribute oh i was just going to mention that actually seriously epic, epic. yes I, the, for me, that was kind of the highlight of that whole, was one of the highlights of that event, was the extreme I performance. So. I thought I they thought were, so. I just thought, and he was, the energy that he gave off to, and Nuno, of course, is, is Nuno, right? Right, but that was, you know, 
that was like Gary was the star that day. It was great. Yeah, yeah he really he he was kind of carrying the torch of Freddie Mercury. It he was. was. Well, they, those guys were they were always known massive you know Queen, queen fans. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. And I mean, you mentioned Steve, and um, I, uh, until recently, I totally forgot that he had sang with Taketo on the did, yes. third album. Shine, was that the name of it, I think? I, I think so, yes. And I've never heard it, so I, I have to go back and have a listen to that, because I don't think I've you, ever heard that album. You will, you will like it, because it's, I mean, w- one, what's cool is that we did... It's a great record, and I happen to love Taiketo. Before I know those guys too, because actually Richie Zito did that record. So. That's right, he did. Yes, and, and, I, and I knew Brooke from you know the Metal Edge days. I knew you know we all talk about a mishmash world. And the first time we played Firefest, the original Taiketo was headlining. Cool. And I was like, I hadn't seen him in years, and they were so good. I'm like, holy shit, you guys were. They were like so tight and great. And by the way, Brooke has filled in a few gigs for me for the um, Steve. Well, jury band because of Steve's relationship with him, Taiketo. It's a crazy, that's loop, crazy, you know, right? It's an intertwined world. So great. So that record that he did, Steve, was a great record. It's like Taiketo with Steve Ojiri. It's great. And we, when we, the Steve Ojiri band, I think it was 213, we headlined Firefest over at uh, Nottingham. And, you know, it was a, we played everything. We played some Taiketo songs. We played Tall Story songs. We played, yeah. it was really a cool gig. You know, the crowd went nuts, man. I absolutely love the first track on the Tall Stories album, and I can't remember the name of it. And I love that song, um, but I can't I'm not remember. Sure, I'm not sure of the order of the songs. I know the hits were "Wild on the Run" was the hit. "Wild on and, the uh, Run." So, and "Sister of Mercy" is my favorite track. Well, uh, and it's funny. I bought that CD uh, on eBay years ago. <laughs> By looking at the cover, I was like, oh, I had no idea that Steve was on it. Oh, wow. I looked at the cover, and it was suggested to me because I had bought something else. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to try this out. Right. And I put that first song on, and I was like, what the hell? This is amazing. No, that record is so unique. I think they remind me of kind of that category of Candlebox. Like, they were not an 80s band, but they weren't a grunge band. They were like a rock band in the 90s. Yeah. And they were like... I'm like, I was always surprised, like, Steve and I, we, t- we recently, just funny, recently talked about this. I'm like, how the hell did you guys get, like, clumped in with, like, 80s bands? You guys came out in the 90s, you so not even, a ni- not even close to an 80s, you know, yeah. but somehow they got associated with, like, an 80s thing. I'm like, dude, that's so not even, like, so they were so good. Then they would, I didn't, I didn't think they sounded 80s. I was, they, they, they went on, survived the 90s, no problem. They were great. Yeah, it's one of those bands, another band that kind of got lost in the shuffle, totally, right? Totally. And it's it's too bad. Now, it, it's funny because there is so much of a journey connection. Oh, with me, my, my life is six degrees of like the outside of journey. It's like ridiculous, you know. Between, the, I'm sorry, I cut you off. I go, you no, know, no, it's okay. Question. But that is yes, it's it's a funny topic in my, you know, in the in our world, my world, the Valentine world. You know Hugo, the way he looks and yeah. his, journey, his journey tribute thing, and I played with that for a while. I mean, if, if we need like a like a, a Venn diagram, like you know, like a PowerPoint presentation. So you know, Hugo, who's phenomenal, amazing, just always had looked and sound like Steve Perry. So you know, it was a blessing and a curse, but it was just incredible. And then, of course, post all our label days, he did the did the. Um, tribute you know and we all felt that he should have been he should have been in journey of course but yeah. you know it didn't happen like how could he not be in journey holy shit i mean come on it's so obvious but either way steve Audrey, he got, got the know, gig right and over got, we were like oh my incredible yeah and um and then you know us now getting working with steve and then like and robbie hoffman you know who again was in in the pink back produced by nuno and Rob St. John, I mean, in the Boston days with Pat Badger, I don't know if you know all this great. Yep. There's an episode, I have an episode, Robbie, it's such a great, you know, my God, intertangled mess of goodness. You know? That's he awesome. Now played, he was my sub. And when I went on to play with Steve, he took my place and plays with Hugo now. And they've, they've grown to Voyage, which is, they're just tremendous. They took it to another level. So we're all like in this journey world, but yet outside of, it's a funny, it's a definitely a funny thing. That is so it's a great thing. It's a great. We are very blessed to play that catalog 
of songs. I can't, I wish I, I hope I always, I always want to get that out there. We are grateful to get to play that catalog of songs. And that's amazing. And, and we also didn't mess, forgot to mention that, um, Arnell, is it Pineda? I hopefully yeah. I pronounced that right. Covered yeah, yeah, so. picking up the pieces in 2020. Correct. How crazy was that? That was like, what the hell? That was seriously that. I'm glad you brought that up. I forgot about that. That was seriously cool. Yeah, that was so cool. I was, was like, it. whoa, that's awesome. Another cool thing that somewhere, you know, Bob Lefsetz, who's a, you know has well-known music industry, you know, his podcast and his, you know, his uh, blog, he did a great thing on Open Skies, like a couple, of, you know, about a year or two ago. You know, it was incredible. It was, I don't. It was so random. We were so appreciative. It really was. It was wild. So another awesome. one of those type of things. You didn't know anybody was paying attention to Open Skies and here are these guys, you know, big guys giving it, paying homage to us. We were, that was so cool. Arnell doing that was one of the coolest things. That's amazing. Yeah, that's so cool. And it's funny, this is kind of a funny note. I was watching the No Way video and, you know, you look at, it was on YouTube, so you look at the comments and people are saying about Steve Perry and then there was a couple moments I was like, wait a second, he, Hugo looks more like Bruno Ravel in a bunch of those shots than he does of... <laughs> Yeah, but he goes. Steve Perry. Yes, maybe that's true. Yeah, but you know, it's just so funny. People, he can't get away from it, so he just said "fuck it" and embraced it. There's no, you know. Oh, it's a, I mean, he doesn't. I watched yeah. some of the clips. Holy, He's amazing, man. Seriously, they they just played this weekend. I mean, I, I like I said, I speak to Robbie, you know, probably multiple times a week on some something, and I'm always like, dude, I, you are just, you guys are killing it, man. So it's so cool. I, I love it. I get it. I enjoy watching those. That's awesome. I, I enjoy watching them, you know, climb and grow and just be better. And they're so good. It's so, if you want to see a journey show like authentic Steve Perry, man, I'm telling you, there's nothing like. Oh yeah, you, I mean, even to go on YouTube and check it out because right. it is. Right. And and even the guitar player, right, Robbie. Robbie. Robbie Hoffman. He, I mean, he looks like Neil Sean. Like he does yeah, that great. perfectly. It looks great. Yeah. No, they're great. They are really good. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Now, getting back to Open Skies, you guys recorded a version of None of It Matters, which was also recorded by Black Eyed Susan. Correct. I lo- the, the version you guys did is really good. I really lo- I've always loved that song, and I was I had Same. no idea. Um, who? What's the? Um, oh God, I can't. It's a terrible. I can't think. I'm having a name block right now. But the writer of that song, Randy Cantor. Correct. There you go. Thank you. Wrote we wrote a bunch. He was that guy. Loved that. What a talented guy. We wrote a bunch of songs with. Uh, Michael Caruso and Randy Cantor, like a whole bunch. We just really got into again that mode in LA. We just went to Philadelphia where they're from, and he had written that song for. He wrote that song. No, not even matters. Yeah, like him and Michael. So we just we love. We always liked the song, and I'm like, it just seemed to. It was again in that Lenny Kravitz. I'm like, what a cool song that Great really song. didn't didn't. We all felt it didn't get the love it should have on on the other record. You know what was it? Um, Dean. Dean, right. yeah, I was on yeah, the right. Black Eyed Susan right. Black uh, electric Susan, right. rattle ball. Right, exactly. So I'm like, yeah. it didn't get the love it deserved. So like, we can we cut this song and, and everyone loved it. Like, oh my god, we could, let's do it. So we did it. Yeah, it's. I mean, they had a video and everything for it, and that yeah. album just didn't didn't take off. Didn't, they, didn't I mean, not. they were on I'm Mercury surprised. Records. It I was. Know, no, I'm surprised. He's so good too. Yeah. So we we decided that that was like kind of. I don't know. We just all grabbed. We all liked the song, and we all decided to do it. So. It's a great tune. It was I, kind of a, you know, it was like a, I don't know. It just reopened. It just had that great, like you know, Sitari. Yeah. I don't know, Aerosmithy. I don't know. Something about it resonated with us, and we we started, We just took to it right away. Yeah, it's it's funny that that. I think it was the times, though. I think there was so like we had mentioned, like for going back to the Black Eyed Susan thing, that I think there were so many bands coming out that people just. There was there wasn't enough to go around almost. Right. It seemed there like right. space, but there wasn't enough space. There was too, not too many bands to fill the slots. It was like you know overflow a little bit, it, right? Yeah. That what you mean? Yeah. Yeah, and it, it, it's unfortunate because I mean I was listening to all those bands and I was trying right. to buy as much as I could, um, and but it was funny when eBay came along. Right. Everything I couldn't get, I went and <laughs> I went and bought. I, agree. I went and bought right, which was which was great. Right. Also, I'm, I'm circling back to bands that had a different singer that, you know who I love too? Like, I'm talking, remember we were talking about different singers? I loved, yeah. li- like, Lynch Mob to me was like, almost like a better version of Docker. I'm like, I love that guy. Yeah. Oni, what was Oni Logan. 
Oh man, the Wicked Sensation was still one of my favorite records. It was amazing, great, I what, great. I don't know what made me think of that? Sorry. <laughs> oh no, no, and it's cool. I mean, we I've I've had episodes. I have one upcoming that I haven't posted yet where we actually talk about replacement singers. Oh, that's cool. And we, uh, I mean, one of my favorite replacement singers is Paul Lane in Danger Danger. Oh yeah, that's a great record too. Yes. Yeah. Um, that, what's it called? The Defiant ones. The, 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 oh, the Defiance. Yes. The yeah, uh, great record. The last. Great there's record. two of them now. Um, mm-hmm. I love the second one. Correct. The second, the newest one is great. It's phenomenal. Yeah, it was phenomenal. And they actually, they actually released limited copies on vinyl after. Oh, nice. The fact, and I was lucky enough to get one, which was great. Oh, cool, man. Yeah, I'm a big, I'm a big Paul Lane fan. And. Uh, What's it called? Robert, I forget what he who was in Robert who's in Warren. Oh, Robert Mason. He he replaced he was in um brother what's it called? Um, um Cry Love. Yes. I mean, my name's I'm having a mental love. Oh, his okay. his Diamonds and was it Diamonds and something? That second record was yes. great. It was phenomenal. Yeah, he's right. he's done some great albums. Oh my god. He played with also Lynch Mob. We did a show we did a great show pre COVID with Brett Michaels, Firehouse was on the show. Um Warrant was on the show. Wow. And I made sure I told Robert, I said, dude, I said, I love that second, you know, Cry Love record. Said, really? You know that? I'm like, dude, I love that record. So either way, Diamonds and Debris, I think that was cool. Diamonds and Debris, and the single was Sugar Cane, right? So yeah, he's a great singer, so. Amazing singer. I and made sure I told him, because, you know, it's people, it's one of those things, like people, you know, I think people, I know I appreciate when somebody comes up with some random thing I did, and they're like, oh my, I'm like, you even know about that? So. I always make it a point if I see somebody like, even if it's a little awkward I'm like I make sure I tell him I, I made sure I told him I think he was appreciative because probably he doesn't get a lot of credit for that record well I think and I think I actually told him once I said if Warren did a show and you guys only did the two albums you've been on I would be okay with that and he goes right. you're probably the only person <laughs> <laughs> yeah the Warren fans want to hear that they want to hear you know the first two unfortunately they want to hear the same as Steve Ojiri, no one wants to hear, you know, the new stuff or they want to hear those, you know, the classic stuff. Yeah. And that's just the way it goes on it. Yes, I mean, it is. I mean, it's as, right. as, as it, it, sometimes you think, okay, maybe they could like do two sets and they do like the classic stuff and then open for themselves as doing the other yeah. stuff. That's a pretty cool idea. It would be cool, right? I like that. That's a great, open for yourself. That's a great idea. Wow. I mean, like Def Leppard did it. Um, they yeah, they did it as uh, one of um, oh, yeah. one of yes, the yes, Vegas yes. residency, and they went on as Dead Flatbird and did I, I, all the early stuff. I did. I did hear that. Yes, and it was really That's cool. Wild. It that was really cool. cool. Those guys, I mean, they're not at another level of insane, of incredible, you know, greatness. They're insanely great life. Yes, yes. <laughs> you go see them, you're like, wow. And their longevity, and they've even almost like grown and. They've grown further. The time has been has been wonderful to them. It's like amazing. They're almost getting better and more popular. It's just phenomenal. Yeah, it's amazing. So, and and I mean, it's amazing. They've they've grown together as a band. I mean, that's right. kind of the same thing for for you guys from Valentine as well. Yes. Yeah, we're very we're very lucky. I've been playing. You know, I've been very fortunate to play with good, not only great musicians but great people. And I think. I was talking about this with Joey Casada. The older you get, you know, it seems that like, the, I don't know, the, the drama seems to go away because I think a lot of the, I don't know how to say this in the nicest way, the not nice people maybe who you don't, they seem to have fallen by the wayside and the guys still left doing it are like the good guys. So, yeah. I, I don't know, I'm not saying anything bad about anybody who's not doing it. I don't want to make it, I don't want to make that a negative comment. I want to make it a positive comment about the fact that the guys I'll just I'll keep it to myself here. The guys who I play with, like Gerard and Craig, I mean, we, we like brothers literally, you know, since 18. I've known Gerard since I'm 14, but playing with him. And now, but listen, playing with Steve since 2009, it's like, that's a long time. Yeah. That's longer than Valentine and Open Skies was even together. So we've been, and we've traveled, I mean, we have covered some pavement. You know, we have hit the, hit the, around the world and it's been incredible. He's just a wonderful, besides incredible talented human being what a good guy so we have we have the best you know we're like you know adults but we act like a bunch of you know teenagers still you know we still have a great time well that's part of being, being a musician yes <laughs> we I get agree. to that, still be like that right the, the peter pan syndrome that is absolutely what it is that's no right about it. um and and you know what i should ask you this i mean how did you get that gig with steve Jerry initially um well we 
the balance. So when um, when okay, so when evolution. Okay, I'm trying. To, I lost my train of thought for a second. When That's evolution good. was, you know, we were a very we were a popular Journey tribute band, and we had started. We did some shows for the Broadway musical. Um, Rock of Ages. Love that. That's okay. so good. And then we started to do these monthly cast party things where if you had a t- every Thursday, one Thursday a month next door, this I think it was a China club, some club, if you had a ticket to the show, you could get into the club next door and the whole cast, they, had to, they were obligated to come to this thing. So the whole cast was there and you could come meet them and then people would jam. Like we, Evolution played a set, but like it was pretty loose, it was small, like a, a bar almost. It wasn't like a real gig. Yeah. And then we'd always have some, somebody come in 80s sort of persona and sit in with us. And one of those, Steve Ogiri sat in with, that was the first time we played with him. And also, like I mentioned, Valentine played with Steve Ogiri at Firefest. So we got, you know, we, you know, we, you know, it's the first time we actually saw him, like, but we had known him because Tall Stories and Open Skies both toured with Mr. Big in the, wow. So we had always had some overlaps with him. And also our managers knew each other. So, but we actually knew of him from the 90s, from the, from the Tall Stories days. But we know New York scene, you know, CBS and the record. So we all knew each other. He went on to Journey. And well, we knew Tall Stories. He went on to Journey. And then post-Journey, was, we were in Evolution. Then that's when he, he was like, you know, I'm looking for, to do a, a band. And he was talking to Gerard, because, you know, because Gerard wasn't in Evolution. He managed it, but he wasn't in the band. And then he's like, and Gerard's like, you know, well, because Steve didn't want to do like a tribute. I don't want to get hire a tribute band. That's not, I want to do, some, do something all different. And just, I don't know how it's, it just kind of came into that. We, uh, we did, at first we did like one or two shows. It wasn't like, like, let's form a band and go for it. We just did a show or two just to see like as a project to see how it would work. And we never have looked back. And that's when I stepped aside in Evolution to go with Steve. That's awesome. Yeah, and I noticed you guys, you have a lot of dates. I was looking at your dates today. I was like, you, you're you busy. We are. And we've, oh my God, we, we're appreciative because, you know, sitting on the sidelines, you know, the older you get, time you know, <laughs> is you know, more, not that it's more important, but yeah, we've, we're very lucky that we were able to almost fill up a, a good second half of the year. Once, from, from June out to December, we have dates on the book. So we're, we're, we're appreciative. That's fantastic. Now, will with this new valentine material coming out will you guys get back together and possibly do some shows in the future you know that's always a possibility we played together in 2019 we did we did a show with night ranger uh trickster danger danger wow and and valentine it was a great that's uh, a great lineup (laughs) we did it um it was in long island because my this gentleman todd Compassori, who was all of our road managers and he was like a, a common thread between all of us yeah I mentioned him earlier. He was a, he um, he passed away unfortunately, at, you know, at a young age. And we instead of having like a I don't know, we wanted to have a memorial concert. And we all felt that it was like he would have it was the right thing to do. He would have wanted this, so we all played. It was great. So the answer to the question is we don't have any dates booked, but we're you know it's uh, it's always seems that somehow every couple of years Valentine does a show or two here and there for some reason. So cool. I'll be we're watching open, it. Yeah, we're I'll yeah we're it. we're open. You know. If the situation arises, we're, you know, we're open for it, sure. That's cool. I mean, you guys have never been approached to do M3? You know, we have not. That would be great. You know, we talked, there was some talk about the Monsters of Rock Cruise, but then I don't know, then all of a sudden COVID happened and never quite, you know. But also, I guess the other side of that, the good news is we're all kind of busy doing these other things, which, yeah. but still, so the problem with like a Monsters of Rock Cruise is like a, it's a, a week it's a big yeah. commit, you know time so you know it's again it's a wonderful thing i'm not so the answer is we haven't done any of those things and i'm sure we i mean i there is a there is a vote that they ask they'll come out when i went to the first one they asked you to vote mm-hmm. who you wanted for the next right. year and uh, i'm gonna look up that vote because i'm gonna put my vote i'm gonna write in valentine on that vote this, for m3 it'd be, it'd be great because you know what people would know who we are it's a great It'd be a good thing. Yeah, it would be awesome. And I remember that, and you mentioned that 2019 show, because I had talked to Steve West, and I said, you know what, I'm going to try and make it out to that show, but unfortunately, I didn't make it. I'm sorry. It was a, it was good. But also, it was like old school, like club rock and roll. It was like, you know, it was old school, man. It was like, every quick, hurry up, no soundcheck, you know. 
get up and play. And it was like, I, like, I felt like I'm like, holy shit, we're literally like. That is awesome. Kids again. And it, you know, it was loud. It was like, just like, go for it. And you know what? It was, we had a great time. That's amazing. It was. It was fun. Now, Adam, I'm going to let you go, but I really appreciate Man, that was a great conversation. I had a really good time. Thank you. You covered we, I think. I think we covered the full spectrum. I think I, we, we did. A lot in. I think we did, and I thank you for it. Do you think there's anything we left out? I don't know. It's a lot, a lot. You know, we've got it. Let's, let's, let's recap here. We have podcast, which is new. We talked about Open Skies, Valentine's, Steve O'Jury, and all the, and all the intertwinings of, yeah. in between, you know. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we talked about replacement lead singers. We covered a lot of ground. We did. We did. <laughs> and I thank you for that. So, I mean, um, where can people find, I think you mentioned this already, but let's do it again, where they can sure. get demos in the attic. It is 20th Century Music, and it is uh, Vanity Music Group. And I'm going to put, you know what I should do is, I'm going to put a link on my website to Adam Holland Music. It's not up there yet, but I should do that. AdamHollandMusic.com. And um, you could also reach me on Instagram, which is Dutch, D-U-T-C-H-N-Y-22. People are saying, what's that? People used to call me Holland, my last name. Everyone in you know, my youth, Dutch, was like our, my, my, mine and my sisters. People would say Dutch. You know, I don't know why it's stuck. And people still call me that. So I went Dutch, N-Y-22. That is my Instagram world. That's where I post the most. But... Adam Holland Music will take it, links you to everything you need to go to. And uh, 20th Century Music and Vanity Fair Music is what they're co-label. That's where the record demos from the attic is for sale. Perfect. And, of course, the podcast can, we, I think we've touched on that, but let's touch on it again just so. It's called Band Forever with Adam Holland. And uh, you can go to bandforeverpodcast.com. It's also on Apple, Spotify, Google. It's all the all the regular places where you would find podcasts. It is it, you can just uh, just um, search it. It'll come up. And again, on my Instagram, I have a link tree. It takes you on my website too. There's make sure it gets you to every place you need to get to. So. Yeah, I think. I mean, it's a good lesson. So I, I mean, Thank I you. I totally dig it. So I would I would not steer anybody in the wrong direction. I appreciate. It. Like I said, we were talking earlier that. I think the fans of your podcast, I, I, it's funny, I, w- I was telling you, I listened to your podcast and, you know, as I was getting inspiration from my own podcast. Yeah. So I think that our audience will, it's you know, slightly different, but I think the same type of feel yeah. of that sort of maybe unknown guy, the cool stories that maybe you didn't know about, but also some guys you will know about. But again, here's some things that you didn't know. And that I think we have a similar, you know, we're looking for the same kind of information, but just a little bit different versions of the same thing. Yeah. But I think our fans will overlap and enjoy both. I agree with you. Thank you. Yeah, I know, I know I've got listeners and fans of my show that will really dig it. So, Thanks. I think so. Thank you. Okay. Well, you have a great night. You too. Thank you, brother. Awesome, man. Again, I'm a big fan of yours, and thank you for having me on. And uh, thanks, everybody, Likewise. for listening. Likewise. Okay, well, have a good night. Hopefully, we'll talk again soon. Absolutely, man. Okay, you, take care, Adam. Just maybe